All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode, episode 48 of Derek's discussions today. How are you? First of all, we got a sophomore in Perrin Field. How are you doing today? So good. How are you? It's getting down to the end of the school, so hopefully I'll be uh, in much better shape um, in two weeks from now. But just talking kind of your journey, so what kind of led you uh, to get to Marist being, you know, a sophomore in the sports communication realm? There's not a lot of schools uh, that have sports communication. So um, originally I wanted to go to school um, to be a neurosurgeon. I wanted to do neurology. I wanted to study the brain, um, and I wanted to help as many people as I could. Um, I got here last year and decided to take uh, Gen Bio, uh, and I loved it, loved it, loved it, but I bombed it. Um, it just was not like, it just was not going to work because you can't go to med school with, you know, C's. Um, I had gotten a job. I had been offered a job um, before I even entered Marist with the athletics department. Um, they had scouted me as someone who was social media savvy and had a social media presence. Um, and I was reached out to um, by one of the old, um, one of the old like SID head of the uh, sports information uh, department. Um, and he asked me if I was, you know, if I had work study, if I was, you know, had hours available in my schedule. And I said, sure, of course. Um, you know, I was never really a big fan of sports. Um, and then I started working football. You know, we started in the fall. I was there for the first football game to the last um, men's basketball, women's basketball, um, all the way into softball, baseball, um, all of those. And I would do live game day content and I would post it right to the Instagram or the Twitter. I'd be cutting highlights. And someone told me, someone looked at me and said, why are you not in sports? Why are you not doing social media? Why are you not following the passion that you're good at? And I said, you're not right, you're right. Um, and I changed my major from pre-med to sports communications, um, now with a dual concentration in public relations. And I am so glad that I did. So kind of go through, talk to me a little bit about the process of kind of changing majors. Like, was it kind of a long period of time where you were thinking about it? Was it a short period of time? Did it kind of start freshman year when you realized that you weren't doing so well in the classes that you switched? Like, what was kind of the your mindset um, throughout changing? It was a very quick, it was a very quick decision. Um, it was one of those, like, why haven't I thought of that? Um, you know, my family knew that I was all over social media. Um, my advisor, um, I've, I've had the most amazing advisor. Um, she's given me a great experience so far. She's been so helpful. And she looked at me and said, you know what? I think this is a good choice. Um, and I got all the help that I could ever need. Um, and I quickly changed it. I was also blessed to be, um, in the focus program. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the focus program. Mm, I it's, have. It's Maris Undecided um, kind of track. So I declared pre-med, um, but with an undecided major. Um, so I did the focus program and, you know, my focus program professor, she looked at me and she was like, I heard you made a switch. That's where you belong. So it's, you know, it's been a really, it was really good. And then um, that was second semester. That was like the beginning of second semester last year. So I've been in sports comm for a little bit now. Mm -hmm. And then kind of your transition into sports comm, what, ha what has that been for you, just especially with your knowledge more on social media than the regular kind of, you know, sports media um, like world? What, what has that kind of helped you, hurt you? What, is, what have you kind of learned from that experience? Yeah, so I have a lot of experience with like bringing people together and, you know, getting people in front of the camera, um, you know, I have experience in front and behind of the camera and it kind of just shows you like, it teaches you kind of what people are looking for. Um, and, you know, people are looking for someone that can make them look good. And obviously athletes want to be made to look good. Um, so, you know, I picked up, I have, I've had a camera, picked up the camera, did some photography, um, Yes, you know, athletes are no exception to the we want to look good type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a niche right there. Mm. So talking sports communication in general, 
Um, we talk sports media world throughout, and it seems like you got to be more stern in your approach. But you talked about kind of making sure the athlete looks good. Would you say that you're more pro athlete than getting their voice out there? in the sense of like making sure that they look good instead of telling the story. And how do you kind of go around that? Cause obviously like athletes have their own opinions and like some things that they might say might not be the best, but you want to be necessarily pro athlete, So you kind of want to manipulate that a little bit to make sure that they look good. What are you, what is your thought process um, on that? Right. So um, a lot of what I've dealt with um you know, a lot of the athletes here at Marist, in fact, I'd say, you know, 90 to 95% of them have their heads on their shoulders. Um, and, you know, they're good in academics and they're good. They have friends and they have a really good track record and no, you know, disciplinary anything. So I really don't face a lot of crisis communications um, in my everyday kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that they prepare you for if you're talking to someone in the field, like, I've been asked this question before, like, yes, athletes are going to screw up. Yes, I might screw up, but it's all about like taking ownership and yeah, telling their story, telling the truth. So, yeah. Okay. So kind of going off of that a little bit, you talk about more telling the truth. Would you say kind of the sports communication PR realm, would you say that you're more pro athlete than the typical person in the sense of social media, you want their voices out there? Um, if you're doing, I don't know, journalism or writing about something or just broadcasting a game or whatever, it's more concrete. It's not necessarily about the athlete. And how is that experience being about the athlete instead of about you, if you, if you know what I'm um, saying on that? Yeah. One? So, like, um, you know, I know you, you know, create content. I know you like spread a word, do some marketing for your personal brand and your podcast. It's all about getting, telling someone else's story in your way, right? So I'm never going to be invisible. Even if I'm behind the camera, even if I'm the one holding the phone, making the TikTok, it's still me. It's still my voice. It's still my vision. Um, and I think that's the success that I have is because, you know, it's, I like to show behind the scenes so that, you know, the athletes aren't everything, right? They're the mm -hmm. ones on the field. They're the ones, you know, tackling and posing for the photos, but there's people that, you know, there's people that write up the plays. There's people that take the photos. There's people that, you know, like call the plays and there's always going to be someone, there's someone behind everything. And that's kind of what I try and show the like the audience that I get to. And then we talked earlier, sports communication, going into that realm. Do you feel like, I mean, your perspective is going to be a little bit different, but do you feel like COVID kind of impacted your decision to go more the sports com route? I mean, obviously you changed after COVID, but do you think that had any impact not having sports, not necessarily the importance of social media um, in sports really kind of increased because of COVID just not having anything go on. So what was that kind of experience um, like with the transition and how COVID had an impact? Um, COVID didn't really have an impact um, a lot on me personally. Um, I, you know, I was home my high school. I was at a college preparatory school in Buffalo. I had 30 kids in my grade. Um, and really no one knew what they wanted to do. And I kind of like took the security that I had in that I wanted to help people. And that, you know, obviously COVID that my mom's a nurse, she would deal with COVID patients all day, every day. And um, I just see that like helping people in any way, shape or form, whether it's, you know, helping with someone's physical health, their mental health, um, you know, getting their image out there, um, making someone happy, making someone smile, it's, it's enough. And COVID just kind of like ensured that more for me and knowing that whatever I did, I'd be helping someone. Mm -hmm. And then you talk, we've talked earlier, social media, 
what is your kind of preparation behind it? Because that is going to be very interesting and kind of fascinating just based on the fact of, you know, having different people, the preparation is going to be different based on who you're talking to, what's the connection there and like what you're going to be talking about. So what's kind of the preparation that goes into kind of doing a shoot of uh, for social media? Yeah, so um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to build some really incredible relationships um, with people more specifically in the football department. Um, you know, they see me and they'll say, oh, what's going on today? Like what we got today? And, you know, some days it's nothing, but other days, you know, um, I'll have a bag of Starburst in my hand or, you know, I'll be holding out hand hearts for them. And it's all about cooperation. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, the people who want to participate are going to participate. Um, so I kind of have to get an idea together, whether it's like an idea for a TikTok or an idea for a caption that I want to make content for. Um, and obviously use the resources that I have and the connections and the relationships that I've built to make it come to life. Kind of going off of the social media aspect of things, when did you know kind of you wanted to be in social media and then when you knew you wanted to be social media in in social media excuse me did you not realize that you wanted to be in sports until college or what was that kind of thought process of connection between sports media I mean not sports media but social media and then um sports yeah so I've been on social media since I was I don't know like middle school you know I do videos in the applying like my little chapsticks like look at my new flavor right it all starts somewhere mm -hmm. and um I would follow all the big influencers and all the stars and obviously social media has grown tremendously um from when we started but mm -hmm. like sorry I'm blanking you're good um I, I am really passionate about social media and yes, the sports aspect did come into play when I did get to Marist, um, mm -hmm. just because, you know, I knew social media was a popular thing. I knew you could make money off of it. I knew you could make a living off of it, but I never really knew the markets that are in need of it until I got to Marist and started learning more about audiences and engagement mm -hmm. and, you know, not just being like an amateur social media person, you know, getting like becoming someone that knows the market, knows their market um, and the best ways to execute everything. Would you say kind of in the sense with social media kind of evolving over time with obviously Marist having you not necessarily a smaller school with sports, would you kind of see this realm of social media and sports kind of happening with every organization? And with that, with that said, having everyone having it in every organization, do you think in professional sports there's going to be more than one? Do you think it's going to be five? Kind of on the same realm of we talked analytics didn't have a lot of people at first. They started to kind of evolve over time and realize that they needed more people. Do you see social media in the same realm of that or different? Or what is your kind of thought process on um, social media compared to analytics and the type of room that they have? Um, everyone wants to know everything, right? Mm -hmm. So using social media to share a message, to share an idea, to share an opinion or you know, photos or your creativity, it needs to happen. And sometimes creating that content is going to go out to educate. Um, you know, I, part of what I do for athletics is I want to make, I want people to engage with the athletes. So, you know, we're kind of finding that that's the, that's where the highest engagement's at. Cause you know, people see them on the field, people see them suited up, but they don't know the personalities behind the masks behind, you know, the pads and um, they sometimes they don't even see their faces or know their names. Um, and it's, it all goes hand in hand, right? It's about, it's kind of just what the people want, right? And the, what mm -hmm. the people want drives good analytics. So, yeah. What do you say kind of the first moment, which what, like, like what got you into social media 
from a perspective of wanting to do it as a career? Was it just having social media throughout your life and liking it and seeing all the content and wanting to be a part of it? Was it something else? What was your, what, what kind of led you to get into kind of the social media realm? Yeah. So obviously getting the invitation um, from one of the past supervisors for sports information kind of jump-started, kind of opened the door for me. Um, I met someone or two people actually, um, when I first, you know, started my job, first got on the field and I met two girls, um, a senior and one that, and, um, she's, I don't know if she's doing a grad year now, but she works in admissions. Um, the two of them kind of guided me and, showed me that this is possible and that there is a need for this on our campus. And then by fulfilling the need on our campus, I realized that there's just a huge market outside of Marist, outside of college in general, outside of football in general. So, yeah. And then kind of going off of that a little bit, we talk social media through the, throughout this part. Obviously there's social media that has its negative effects. Um, talk to me about kind of doing social media and trying to, eliminate the negative and making sure because I feel like at least now um, since COVID the attention span of a regular person is a lot shorter than it used to be so obviously doing social media you're going to have to limit the amount of time that is said so kind of talk to me about kind of the process of making sure that there's not going to be the negative in social media and then kind of talk to me a little bit about how you kind of go through it, making sure that it's shorter clips instead of like longer. Cause yes, yes. You want the story of the athlete out there. Yes. You want it to be positive, but not everyone's going to listen to a 35 minute monologue about an athlete. Right. It was about like staying positive. And, you know, even if you're telling an unfortunate story, there's a silver lining and yeah, it just, you can't please everyone but Mm -hmm. you know the people anyone that you can make smile anyone that any of that it works and anyone who you know uh learns the name of a football player you know the guys love the attention right like I have friends that now know my football friends because of the content that I've created and it's like making new friends right because you know their face um and as far as you know short clips go that's why TikTok was invented. That's why Instagram Reels were invented because it's a scientific fact that the um, attention span of the average person has decreased significantly. Um, and yeah, when I make content, I typically don't make anything over two minutes. Um, and you know what? If someone doesn't want to watch the whole thing, don't watch the whole thing. I mean, like, you know, I have people that do want to watch it and I want to watch it. And the boys want to watch it and the coaches want to watch it. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of meeting a market. And if you don't fall into that market, then, oh, well, you know, it's just not for you. Mm -hmm. And then kind of going off, you talk about kind of the relationships throughout. Is it hard being part of not the outside in a sense of social media, but being so close to these athletes, but also making sure that you're not necessarily too biased when creating social media? Because I feel like bias is just a huge thing in sports where you kind of got to watch out for that. So what is your kind of perspective creating social media, having relationships with these players, but also making sure that it doesn't come or come over overly bias from your perspective. So I think that the bias is kind of a good thing. Um, you know, I chose Marist. I chose the position that I'm in. I've chose it and I'm comfortable with it because I like the people. And, you know, I, I don't really hold back, especially in the athletics department with who I talk to or who I interview um, because, you know, I do like everyone. And that's kind of, that's kind of positive bias because I'm showing my appreciation for these people. Um, and obviously they're sharing it right back by, giving me, you know, content by being a friendly face, by being available for me. Um, so 
yeah, I guess, I guess it's fair to say that I am biased and I don't think that's a bad thing in this sense. I do know what you're saying about, you know, as it gets more professional and, you know, as people go pro and the content around professional um, athletics, yes, sometimes bias gets bad because in pro sports, like there's some star players and you can't give them all the attention. So, but yeah, I think here and the content that I create, I think bias is okay. And then kind of going off social media. So in, in a sense, we see journalism kind of take over a little bit in the sense of trans people entering the transfer portal. And that's going to happen. For you, kind of as social media, do you make sure that you put anything out there that a person's transferring what their thoughts are? Do you just try to stay away from that? What are kind of your limits within social media? Because not everything can be kind of out there in the social media realm when talking to an athlete transferring. So what is kind of the limits? If an athlete is excited about transferring or if an athlete is excited about an opportunity that they have, I'm excited for them. You know, if the team is hype, I'm hype. Um, I have kept um, close connection with, you know, some of our past transfers and graduates from the football department. Um, and they're obviously doing amazing things. I don't know if you saw, you definitely did about uh, Dwayne Menders, his invite to the Steelers rookie camp. You know, I texted him immediately. Um, he texted back. And yeah, these are just connections that I keep. And if they're excited, I'm excited, right? And if they want their messages to be shared, if they want to repost, sure, I'll repost it. Um, but a lot of the focus, especially on the accounts themselves, is who we have now and what we're working with now, not necessarily what we're losing. Does that make sense? You mm-hmm. understand? What I, I'm see, I see what you mean. More in more in a positive light. Like if they're if they're excited to transfer and kind of know where they're gonna go, it's okay to put it out there. But if it's a negative conduct kind of of Marist, exactly. then obviously kind of limit it because you're kind of promoting Marist in the sense and not right. promoting him leaving. So kind of that um realm so what do you like most about yourself so I think that I'm a very outgoing person and I'm not shy um I'm willing to take risks um you know all it takes is a high or a you know I like your shirt or something and I'm really not afraid to do that especially if it'll you know make someone feel good or you know make me feel good because connecting with others makes me really happy and even if it's so much as like a LinkedIn request like that means a lot to me that means that someone you know wants to connect with me and that someone notices my work and yeah so and kind of last question for part one what is one thing you want the viewer to know about you that they kind of haven't already known throughout the first uh part um It's kind of an unspoken thing, but I have a lot of goals. Um, I have a lot of opportunity. I have a lot of connection. Um, I, you know, I'm open to anything that comes my way. Um, You know, as long as it's not detrimental to me or anyone else. Um, But yeah, I just have a lot of goals and I have a lot of plans for the future. So. All right. We got part two. It's going to be just talking sports, kind of that realm of Derek's discussions. We're going to start off talking about the Buffalo Bills. But before we go into the Buffalo Bills, Bills, I know you're a huge fan of the Buffalo Bills, but talk to me a little bit kind of about their kind of social media presence, just based on the fact of, you know, your social media expertise um, so far throughout. What do you what do you like seeing about the Bills social media? What does that bring to you as a fan? Just talk to me a little bit about that. Um, well, as you may know, the Bills have set a really high expectation for social media in the league. Um, you know, they make all kinds of funny videos. I take a lot of inspiration from them, actually. Um, they do a lot of that, like player engagement, player interview, um, you know, like teasing the players, kind of just like poking some fun at the new guys and, um, Yeah, so they really just set a really high standard for social media in the NFL. 
do you feel like um with the Bills kind of trajectory, they've they've been a kind of a losing franchise for the majority kind of of their career. Do you think the social media presence with them with themselves winning more often helps? And also the fact of having a quarterback of Josh Allen's stature, does that help as well? Does it help or 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 does that not really matter um when talking about social media? Um I think it matters to an extent um, just because they're really good at using all their resources. Um, you know, they like to share stories. They like to make people smile. Um, and a lot of it, if you pay attention, is not your starters. It's not Josh. It's not Stefan Diggs. It's, you know, we saw a lot about um, Damar Hamlin. And, you know, I was sitting on the couch with my family watching the game and, um it, you know, they took a lot of time and, you know, all the other um, teams made their profile pictures, the three, and, um, you know, they really use their resources um, and their resources come in the form of really awesome, like funny, genuine players and really cooperative staff and really creative uh, content teams. So, yeah. Do you think, though, kind of from the social media perspective, that it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's kind of strange in the fact that there's not that much attention on Josh Allen, given the fact that he's kind of the superstar of the team? Wouldn't you expect more um, from him? Or is it kind of the realm of social media where you're trying to spread the love to everybody and not focus on kind of the highlight uh, player? That's exactly it. Um, You know, he's gotten his time. He's gotten his recognition. Um, you know, he's, you know, he has the stats. He has the, you know, the evidence, the highlights to prove that he's a really awesome quarterback and that he, you know, belongs in a really high up position. Um, but again, it is spreading the love, you know. Um, you want to get good content of these people now so you can watch them grow. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they've already started getting a lot of content with their new, the new, uh, the new drafts. And um, yeah, it's just, you're going to be able to, as like an audience and as a fan, like see the team grow, see their social media grow, see their players grow, see their staff, you know, their content creators grow, become more creative. So it is, you know, it's about showing love to everyone, not even just the players, but like the coaching staff, the behind the scenes team. So, yeah. So when the DeMar Hamlin situation happened, um, from a social media perspective, obviously they focused on him for the majority of the part. But what was the social media like? I don't I don't remember exactly. Um, with the trainers, the staff that helped DeMar Hamlin kind of get to the stage where he is today, which he's in pretty good shape and he's been cleared to play football. Who knows if he wants to continue to play football given the circumstances and everything like that. But was there emphasis on kind of the staff behind that situation or was it still on Hamlin? And what was that kind of process? Um, not process like, but what was that like um, seeing the creation of what the bills were able to do? Right. Um, so I have uh, two friends at home whose dads are both doctors for the team. Um, you know, they're on the website, they're listed on the roster as one's, um, one's an ortho. Um, I mean, I don't remember what off the top of my head, what the other one is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they posted, uh, a picture of our healthcare staff, as well as the Bengals healthcare staff and, um, the healthcare staff from the Cincinnati hospital that he was taken to. Um, and you know, they really gave, they really gave the love to everyone and they gave love to the fans for supporting. And of course they gave love to the rest of the team because they were hurting, you know, Um, it's scary for them to watch, you know, a teammate and a best friend go into cardiac arrest right in front of them and right in front of the country. Um, You know, were you watching, did you watch the game or no? I was watching the game, but I missed that portion. Um, I don't, I don't know what I was doing at that point, but I think I think it was late at night and I wasn't really too enthused. I think it was a beginning yeah. of the game it happened, and I think I was just kind of bored at that point. There was not right. much going on in the game, and then 
I hear later on, and I was like, oh, oh, crap, that actually, like, happened. And, like, the one thing that I want to get on is do you feel like it's appropriate, like, the social media presence on that situation in the sense of the video clips of how he got hurt and everything like that? Because those, to me, I'm not sure. Like, yes, maybe you want one out there just so people know what happened. But the amount of social media presence on that and showing the video over and over and over again, I think is a little disturbing where I don't think that's necessarily a good thing at all to to see that because I don't think anybody wants to relive that moment um, in time. And it's kind of out for the world to see, not just necessarily everyone watching it. The second that it happened, um, the second that it happened, even before we had a diagnosis, even before he was, you know, taken off the field, I knew, and I know I think other people did too, but I knew that this was going to make headlines. This was going to make news. This was going to be something that people were going to talk about and acknowledge. And I think it's important that that it gets showed, um, obviously not millions and millions of times because you know we've seen it once and it is you know it's disturbing it's scary but it's reality you know um and everyone's gonna show love right everyone's gonna show the love to hamlin the bills to his family um his organization um and then the bills and a bunch of other um teams they started doing um like they started sponsoring a lot of like CPR classes um, and, you know, certification programs for people to get out there and, you know, learn from the trainers and learn what to do if you're ever put in this situation. Um, So I think it was very appropriate how it was handled. Once the clip was out there, you know, once it was on national television with millions of viewers, it's out there. you know, you can't take it back, nor do we want to take it back because it's a piece of, you know, the franchise history. But um, I do think also I do think he's going to get back in. I do. I do think he might get back in. Yeah, I think the, the stage of his career, it's going to depend on how he feels. I don't think in this situation, if you're the builds, I don't think you can push him one way or the other. I think it's got to be him making this decision instead of a mutual decision. It's got to be on him. Like the what what he went through is not something that mentally or, or physically that you can kind of get up from. It kind of reminded me. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember if you remember this play, but the Ryan Chazier play with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what I first thought of. Um, with Demar Hamlin when 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 Ryan Shazier got hurt. I can't remember the exact play, but I believe it was like two or three years ago. And uh, Ryan Shazier has never played since then, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. But things look a lot better than the Shazier um injury that happened. Getting on to more positive um news, talking about the Buffalo Bills, we talked earlier. Josh Allen, the quarterback. Do you see as a fan? What do you want to see, um, kind of out of the Bills, whether it be roster success? What do you want to kind of see this season? Um, I mean, we all want to see a Super Bowl season, but you know, can't predict that. Um, can't get too greedy on that. But um, I something I really like is um collaboration between teams, between entities. So um, for uh, the draft, uh, one of the picks, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was one of the first picks was announced by uh, TikToker Josh Richards. Yeah, um, that, was the, that was, I believe it was the first pick. Yes, when uh, Dalton, Dalton Kenny got uh, drafted in. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that was awesome. That was awesome. That is what people want to see. Um, and you know, every time the bills score, whether it's on the field or they have a really successful post, any kind of score they can get is kind of a win for everyone. Um, so something I do want to see is, you know, more engagement, more going with the flow of what people want to see. Um, and yeah, just for them to grow in general. From more of a fan perspective though. Is do you see a missing piece into this roster? Do you think they're all set and it's just going to be kind of figure not figure it out, but 
figure out in a sense, make sure everyone kind of stays healthy. You got the pieces that you kind of need. You got to get kind of lucky in sports. Uh, you got to get hot at the right time and you'll be in good shape. It's, it's pretty much all about streaks and sports nowadays, which I'm not sure is necessarily a good thing. I'm not sure it's a bad thing, but it's just kind of the way it is at this point. What are your thoughts kind of on the team as a whole in terms of like, are you solidified that they're going to win a Super Bowl? Are you confident that they're going to win a Super Bowl? Like, what are we kind of uh, thinking from a fan's perspective? Is this the year? Like, what is uh, what is kind of the uh, – what is kind of headspace you're at with the with the roster having now two tight ends with Dalton and and Dawson as your uh, two tight tight ends having that s- similar uh, name title? I couldn't ask for anything more with the two of them, but um, I there was a lot of um, question about our offense. Um, we just added at least two more guys to our offensive line. Um, Obviously, they got drafted, so they're good. They're going to be, you know, assets for us. Um, I think our team is solid. We have a lot of personalities, um, a lot of good people, um, a lot of talented players who have a lot of support from coaches, from people at home, from the fans. Um, Do I want to say it's going to be a Super Bowl season? I always want to say it's going to be a Super Bowl season, right? I could say that about anyone, but... Mm -hmm. You know, for all I know, it's not going to happen, you know, so anything can happen. Um, you know, that's something that you have to be prepared for working in sports, any any job in sports. Um, you have to just be prepared for anything to happen. Um, and I'm counting down the days. I'm counting down the days until kickoff. I'm counting down. Yeah, well, you got XFL now, which I don't know why we have the XFL or the USFL or the Canadian Football League nowadays. I think they're just at they're this point. They're filling a market. They are. They're filling but a market. They are, but are they really? I think everybody everybody kind of has their situation of, yeah, football is kind of the wide leader of sports, but each season has a different sport. So right now everybody's kind of watching NBA, NHL. Uh, baseball is kind of the back burner, but it's still there. If you're a big baseball guy, which I don't know how people can watch 162 games, but that's beside the point. Um, but there's so much going on uh, throughout uh, sports where you have each season with sports. And I don't think having football in a spring season really helps um, in the sense that there's other sports out there, which nobody really wants. I don't think anybody wants to watch one sport uh for 24, you know, the entire year, 162 days. Uh, And that's just not, I don't think that's the market that they're looking out for, but for the bills, you mentioned the tight ends, tight ends. Good. I was a little surprised they went with uh, Dalton at tight end because they got Dawson, but it's an interesting situation there. Um, I think they need a running back. I think they've needed a running back for years. Uh, They have cook who's average. Uh, Damian Harris is they're they're all good players because they're in the NFL, but none of them are really superstars. Um, they did get Latavius Murray, who I personally mm-hmm. like a lot more than the average person. But again, well, that was a last minute. That was a so. But yeah, I I do I do like him. I've done you know a lot of research on these guys because um I'm not a huge college ball fan. Um, I don't really keep up with it, but you know someone gets drafted to your team you want to know about them you want to know truly how good they are what they look like on the field and I'm I'm hopeful that this is going to be you know these are going to be really good additions yeah they got good running they've got okay running backs um I really do like their offensive line though you talk about bringing in Osiris Torrance that's a dog he can he's a he's definitely going to help in the run game He's not much of a pass blocker necessarily, but with the ability of Josh Allen to really sling that ball, they'll be in good shape. I think they're okay defense. They added a huge piece um, from the Rams and Taylor Rapp. Their safeties are phenomenal when you have Hyde, Poyer, Rapp, and if Hamlin plays, that's four safeties. Hamlin's not necessarily the best safety of that class, but he definitely has production on the field but the one concern I guess you can have um would be running back corner you have depth but it's not necessarily 
the best with White and then kind of the rest. Linebackers, you got Von Miller, but he's getting old, uh, just like everybody else is kind of throughout You never know. The toss-up of this coming season is going to be, can Von fill the void that he left when he got injured last season? Um, He's always been... He's always been one of my favorite players, um, and it was kind of sad to see him, you know, go down that early in the season, especially because he was someone that Buffalo wanted to watch. We wanted to watch him wearing our red, white, and blue, you know, and uh, he went down, and we're kind of just wondering what's it going to look like when he's back. Um, You know, he could come back strong. He could come back really strong, or he could, you know, come back after an injury and be feeling that injury. So we'll see. Yeah, they also got A.J. Klein as another linebacker who I particularly like compared to the average viewer. Um, I love Ed Oliver. I think he's one of the best offensive tackles in all of football. Um, A.J. Espinessa I like. Shaq Lawson I like as well. Gregory Rousseau Mm -hmm. I think is a little overrated, but he's still a good, solid player because you have to be good to be overrated just in general in sports. Exactly. But um, it's an okay roster. I think it's solid. Is it a Super Bowl? Super Bowl solidified team yet? I don't. I, I don't think you can go on out on that limb, um, right. just based on not having like certain pieces. But I don't think there's a team right now in sports that really is a Super Bowl Super Bowl team right. in the sense of having kind of everything together. They're in a good spot. Their division just got a lot tougher. Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Um, going to be interesting to see what happens there. He's definitely a character on the field uh, and off the field. Uh, I had a lovely conversation with um, the uh, one of the social media guys for the Jets, and he said that you know he's not he's not on, he's not on the field all the time, but he knows that Aaron Rodgers is gonna bring. He's gonna bring it. He's really gonna bring it. And um, I think Aaron Rodgers. Okay, like hot take. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little overrated. That's just my opinion. Um, but I think, you know, he's, you know, I'm excited to see how he stands in the AFC. So I think the take on Aaron Rodgers is fair. However, I think he's also the might be the one of the best raw talent quarterbacks um, oh, that we've yes. ever that like like number one, like the best raw talent, like over uh, Patrick Mahomes over like some of these other guys just based on what like I think the biggest thing with Aaron Rodgers that nobody kind of accounts for is his like he's not fast but his ability to get outside the packet pocket throw the ball run if he has to like I think that is underrated but I think the attention on him is I think you can kind of say that he's overrated but I think you could say you could say it about any quarterback that they're overrated um and I kind of think that every quarterback is overrated but uh QB1 in particular honestly the other ones don't get as much attention so yeah I think there's actually a lot just talking quarterbacks in general I think there's a lot of quarterback twos who are like if they started 16 games they would be considered to be your typical average quarterback but right. just based on the evolvement of quarterbacks, they're a bad quarterback, if that makes right. sense. Because now it seems like the average quarterback would be like a – like it used to be always Ryan Tannehill for me. That would be the average quarterback. Now it seems like the average quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Now right. there's a huge difference in between those two quarterbacks just based on what they're able to provide for their team – so right. that's kind of what quarterbacks are gearing towards. But continuing on with the Bills, we talked what your thoughts are. Are you concerned um, about the division adding Rodgers? Are you not concerned? Are you confident? What is kind of the thought process now? Miami looks good. They didn't have a first-round pick because of the situation with Brian Flores and all that going on. But uh, Dolphins look solid. Jets look solid. Patriots Stop. Uh, oh, Buffalo, I don't want to talk about the Patriots. Like, the Patriots. I I think I might be the biggest hater, um, of the New England Patriots. Um, forever. You're gonna have to compete with me for that. Uh, I I hate Tom Brady with uh, all my soul. So uh, so I think Bill Belichick I actually appreciate, but I don't hate as much. So probably now you probably hate them more. 
But uh, during the uh, Super Bowl era with Tom Brady, I think I, uh, I think I have you on that one. That's possible. That's possible. Um, you never know. You really just never know. Um, I also cannot stand like someone like Patrick Mahomes. I can't stand him. I can't. I'm so sorry. I can't. Um, he's a good guy. You know, he's, he's really good on social media. He's a positive guy, but he is just someone that Buffalo just can't even look at him. We can't even say his name. So, but yeah, there's, he's, he's talented. I'm not saying he's not talented. We just don't like him that much. I think it's, I think the reason Mahomes gets a bad rap, I don't think it's him. I think it's more of his family. Um, it's possible. Which I think, I think, I think when talking about sports, you might hate a guy because he's beating your team or doing well against your team. I don't consider that hate. It's more just like, come on, dude, can you just lose a couple of games against us? Like, that's not, it's not right. fair. Um, You're right. But I think, I think, I think everybody's, I think this football season is going to be interesting. I think the biggest storyline um, is not going to be about the three rookie. It's not going to be about quarterback. It's not going to be about what everyone would kind of, uh, I guess it could be what you'd expect, but I think it's about DeMar Hamlin. Um, after that kind of injury, the football community came together. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of pressure on him um, to come back. I just hope that he kind of, not that he just sits and doesn't play, but that he really kind of takes his time and doesn't get back too quickly and make sure his headspace um, is in the right spot before getting back because the amount of pressure that's on that guy, I don't wish on anybody. It's not something that I would want to go through. It's not something I don't think anyone wants to go through, um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens um, with the Buffalo Bills. Moving on though talked about Marist football, what you've been doing for the team. Marist football coach has been there for 40 years. Uh, there has been talk that Marist football after just rumors surrounding the team, there was talk, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Um, what do you think is going to happen um, in the future? Just based on kind of the fact of seems like a transition period um, will be coming sooner rather, rather than later, just based on the coach being there for um, quite a while. Um, I think a transition is going to happen incredibly slowly. Um, you know, this year we started by kind of revamping our um, offensive coaching staff. Um, we had um the change of we now have um coach tosh is is our new um offensive coordinator um we also changed out uh did a, did a 180 on our offensive line coaching staff we now have a uh, coach ben chapman and coach ian um they're awesome um i think they're really going to make a difference in our play and in our confidence um that's kind of where i'm seeing uh, the transition happening first. I think it's going to kind of go offense to defense and then eventually, you know, everything will be so different than as we know it now. Mm -hmm. um, it's also going to come with changes of players. Um, so, you know, like a key player, we had uh, someone still a good friend of mine, um, Clay Fields. Um, he, you know, he transferred. Um you know, we're going to see a lot of, we're going to see a lot of guys graduate. We're going to see, you know, um, we had a super powerful O-line um, that just graduated in uh, Ethan Parrish, Anthony Durso, Landon Pitts. Um, and, you know, as far as quarterback, we're going to see Brock grow. We are. Um, his confidence has already changed this season. You can tell um, going into uh, 2023 football season, he's, He's confident. He's stronger. He's faster. Um, and we've also we've also built up a really awesome class of 26 roster. Um, so the current freshmen, um, a lot of awesome talents in there. Um, and obviously, they're just going to keep climbing the ranks and keep getting better. Um, I haven't heard much about our class of 27 incoming. I've met a few of them. They're lovely. 
Um, but it's going to, it's going to take a lot of time. And I think that, you know, the players are going to have to really come together to be the best that they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And then kind of talking uh, football team seems like transition is happening. Is it, what is kind of the process um, kind of behind that all? Is it like you talk slow transition with coaches, slow transition, uh, changing coaches, not necessarily changing coaches, but changing philosophies um, in the FCS, um, not having scholarships. It's kind of a real, you know, slap in the face um, trying to get players. So what is kind of that? Um, what is kind of their philosophy being at that FCS level, but not being able to compete with other schools based on scholarship wise, which is kind of why we see uh, players into the transfer portal. Do you see that as it's not necessarily a problem because it just is the way it is, but how do you see that kind of, do you see that changing in the future? Do you see that staying? What is kind of uh, your thought process on Marist and the, you know, Pioneer Conference uh, not having, you know, scholarships? Um, I think that us not providing um, scholarships to our football players um, kind of separates them as, um, like, talented and, you know, um, considerate academics. Um, you know, a lot of people or a lot of our players are very serious about, you know, their life after school. And we have, you know, um, uh, for example, um, Keyshawn Haynes, he's class of 26. He's an offensive lineman. He's incredible. He's one of the nicest guys. He's focusing on um, going to medical school and getting that pre-med degree. Um, you know, we have, um, Dom Dutton, he's um, a defensive line. He's, you know, going to be an athletic training major. Um, you know, he's balancing his shadow hours as well as football. Um, you know, a lot of guys are on the business track. They're really taking the opportunity that they have to play football and do what they enjoy while also getting that really great education that they deserve that they came to Maris for. So mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a... I think it's kind of a winning situation if you think about it. Yeah, I think it's it, it's a good thing um talking academics, but it's also um kind of hard um for an athletic institution not to give out scholarships in the sense of you're at the same level as these other schools but having a disadvantage um really can hurt kind of a team record-wise and trying to make the playoffs as well just playing tough not necessarily tougher competition. Um, but better, more, how do I wear this kind of better, uh, advances, um, with the program, um, as a whole in other spots with the advances of NIL, for an example, with other college athletics here, you can't really, you don't have the scholarships as is. So the NIL is not much of a, um, factor in that sense, but as we wrap up episode 48, do you have any last words for listeners out there? Um, do what makes you happy, you know, jump at every opportunity that comes your way. Um, it really can't hurt. Um, and yeah, obviously reach out to me, reach out to people that you trust. Um, yeah, but thanks for having me.